this is Jonathan Armstrong, so thank you very much for listening to this week's Tech Law 10 podcast. I'm over in the UK at Cordray. And Eric, in the US, you've been pondering again cybersecurity. What's on your mind? <laughs> I've been thinking about a lot of things, but yes, this is our weekly Tech Law 10. I think if you didn't mention it's number 146. Um, I like to think about what's good and what might not be so good when it comes to our lives online. And of course, as we can appreciate, the Internet provides an abundance of benefits in a lot of different parts of our lives these days. We have information at our fingertips. Uh, obviously, we are in touch with our family and friends in a myriad of new and different ways. Uh, what I love is we can make purchases from our computers and our phones without the hassle of having to go to the store, and there's so many more benefits as well. Unfortunately, that's not the end of the story, Jonathan. Uh, the Internet creates many risks and liabilities, and I want to point out a few uh, disturbing trends and then uh, delve into one in particular. Uh, so here are some trends to, to ponder. Uh, the vast majority of emails are not legitimate, the overwhelming majority. Most are spam. So that's one thing to consider. There has been a many-fold increase in malicious web links, uh, another thing to think about. The average unprotected computer can become infected with malware within a matter of minutes. So that's disturbing. Uh, also, many tens of thousands of Facebook accounts are compromised daily. In fact, I think it's hundreds of thousands daily. Uh, the average security breach is not detected for months. What does that mean? This creates ample time for such a breach to reach havoc. Jonathan, do you know what the most commonly used computer password is? It's, password. The, word it's the word password. So much for, <laughs> uh, so much for personal security. Um, another thing to think about is that the majority of Internet users at some point will become victims of cybercrime. So that's most people. In addition, a majority of companies have suffered at least one cyber attack within the past year. That's the majority of companies in the last year. The healthcare industry has been experiencing an increase in security interest, sorry, security incidents. And what's more near and dear to us, Jonathan, than our, our, our personal medical information? Furthermore, power and utility companies are seeing a dramatic rise in security incidents, and that uh, is threatening as well. Now, another point. Most corporate security incidents are perpetrated by who? Insiders, usually employees leaving to form their own competing companies or who intend to go work for an already existing competitor. So the enemy might be on the inside, so companies have to be aware. The average cost of a corporate data breach is more than $3 million, and we know there have been many breaches, so we're talking about real money. Mobile devices, we all have them, we all love them, but these ever ubiquitous devices are the weakest security link. So the weakest mm -hmm. link, right? Social media comes next as the next weakest link. With more than 1 billion Facebook users alone, this presents a real challenge. I mean, that's just one social media outlet, over 1 billion users, and that's the second weakest link. And furthermore, the vast majority of information security professionals who've been surveyed believe that cyber attacks represent 
a credible threat to national and economic security. And I believe this is pointing to the national interest of the United States, but this can probably be extrapolated to other uh, nations as well. So, sorry, Eric, war, how many? What, what percentage? Uh, you know, I believe is a. You know, I wish I had the data right at my fingertips. I looked at it a couple of weeks ago, but I believe it was over seventy percent. But don't hold yeah. me to that. But it, but it was definitely well more than fifty percent. So the point here is, I, I'm just wondering war, who doesn't believe that. That that was my puzzle. Oh, yeah, well, it actually could have been higher. Okay, fair point. I, I understand. You're, so you're agreeing. Um, so as we, as we see, cyber war is not something confined to science fiction and novels. Um, so those are some of the risks. And then I was thinking about, you know, what are some recent, real recent developments? And uh, I'd like to talk about drones, if you don't mind, or am I droning on too much? Very sure. Talk about drones. Okay, so drones you know, are now sort of the, the hot thing. And, in fact, drones are so hot that law firms are even creating practice groups around legal issues that might arise uh, by way of uh, the proliferation of drones. So let's just explore a few of the issues. Uh, drones have been used for military purposes, Jonathan. Uh, not only can mm. they be used for unmanned surveillance, they also can be used to uh, uh, create and uh, deliver military attacks. So the question arises as to when the deployment of military drones is sufficient to constitute an act of war by one country against another. Um, and disturbingly, the, the launching of drone attacks is not necessarily limited to countries as terrorists and other groups also potentially could use drones for attacks. So that's one point. I only have several points. Don't worry, I'm almost done as I'm droning on. Uh, next Next comes the idea of drones delivering products purchased over the Internet. So imagine, Jonathan, with a few clicks, you can order your favorite book from Amazon. And before you know it, the book shows up at your front door delivered by a drone. Is this practical and economical? Well, we're going to find out relatively soon as this idea is being explored actively. And if the drone delivery of commercial products really does come true, Jonathan, what will that be like? Will it be annoying and disturbing to have these little crafts flying all over the place? Is it possible that people might try to shoot down or otherwise interfere with drones as they vent their frustrations? Yeah. Will drones be messed with by thieves as they might seek to steal the products carried on the drones? The answer potentially is yes to all these questions. And then finally, last but not least, comes the issue of privacy uh, for me when I think about the world of drones. Uh, many of us have seen amazing and wonderful aerial photos and videos taken by drones. Drones are inexpensive, and they don't necessarily require pilot's licenses to get up in the air to record what is happening, happening below. But because they are cheap to use and easy to navigate, drones could be used, for example, to follow people, to spy on them, to peek in on them where not previously expected. So let's give one last example, and then I'm going to turn it over to you. Once upon a time, we believed that we had the ultimate privacy in our homes. Uh, if you were changing your clothes in your third floor, third floor bedroom, you might not expect anyone to be looking at you, especially if your bedroom window is not directly across from the window of another building, right? But now, conceivably, a drone could fly near your window and take photos and videos of what you are doing in your bedroom. So because of drones, do we need to lower our expectations of privacy, or do we need to fight 
where drones can go and what they're doing uh, and where they go. So the possibilities about what drones, drones can do and the issues surrounding them, frankly, boggle the mind, and they're just sort of the icing on the cake for all these different uh, issues yeah. and risks that I've thrown out at you, Jonathan. So I'm now curious to see how you're going to react. <laughs> I think that was about a thousand issues in uh, in five, five minutes, very concisely, Eric. I, I, I've got um, I could probably speak for for a day on some of those topics, which I, I think are fascinating. To do the last one first, I think the uh, privacy aspect of drones, I think, is very intriguing. The English courts are likely to follow some principles in a case called, uh, from memory, Bernstein and Skyviews in general. Of, of something called the usque ad coliem rule. So we go back to the Norman French for this, and it basically says that the, the plaintiffs in that case argued that they could prevent overflight of their house. This is, I'm guessing, the late 70s, early 80s, um, uh, because they owned their land, they said, from the base of the ground to the heavens, effectively. The court mm-hmm. said that that was wrong, and they, they only had the right for, for a reasonable height for their, for their normal use. So I think the principles as far as overflight are concerned are, are, are relatively stable. But, of course, we've had new data protection legislation since that case. And it will be interesting to see, I think, how data protection legislation impacts on, on drones my prediction will be that in the next two months, we will see the first drone shooting down. And I think it'll be interesting to develop some of the issues around that case when it happens. Uh, I was at the corporate executive program in Malta over the weekend and the back end of last week, an excellent group that I, I recommend to you, CEP Global on the Internet, if you look it up. Um, and one uh, mid-range uh, company that supplies, uh, that's a defense contractor and part of its business, they were saying they get four credible attacks a day at the moment. Mm. So that's Mm -hmm. why I was interested in who thinks cyber warfare isn't out there, because all of my experience and all of the work I've been doing with clients tells me it is. And and at this conference, without going into too much detail, we had some uh, uh, representatives from governments, from major corporations, and I think I, I've been to these meetings, I don't know, over the last six or seven years, and it gets more and more concerning every year. The number of attacks is undoubtedly on the increase. I think coupled with that, the, the theme of my talk really was that we're seeing the convergence of social media and cyber security as topics, and I think you hit the nail on the head, Eric. So here's a little quiz for you. Um, uh, who said that the, uh, a social commentator who said um, we are the now generation? And then I'm uh, I, I'm editing. Uh, my space in your space. Facebook is a new place. Dipping, diving, socializing. I'll be out in cyberspace. Google is my professor. Wikipedia checker. Checking my account. Logging in and logging out. Baby, I want it now. This is the now generation. <laughs> you can have five I'm gold gonna, stars if you can guess. I'm going to guess Sir Jonathan Armstrong from Hartley Pool. No, it's the the social commentator William Adams, mm-hmm. better known as Will I Am of the Black Eyed Peas. 
And, and I thought it was, uh, so, yeah. So that, in part, was the, was the theme of my talk. This uh, Adams, uh, Will I Am, um, said uh, this in 2008. And I think it's really quite prescient, really. People mm -hmm. are, you know, we are in the now generation. People do react instantly, whether that be to a phishing attack, whether that be to a watering hole attack, whether that be to any other form of cyber threat. And that in itself, I think, brings challenges. I think drones in some respects are also part of uh, the now generation as well. You know, we see something, it's bright, it's shiny, we want it. Mm -hmm. And we don't particularly think of the consequences. You know, it's right. one of those firms that we've already been advising on drone stuff and were last year. You might know that the Metropolitan Police in London had to issue warnings at the back end of last year because um, people were flying around the London Eye Tower Bridge, for example, taking uh, pictures. Uh, the police were said to be looking at YouTube postings because there is legislation that prohibits um, films like that being taken. The issue was brought to prominence because a plane on its approach to Heathrow saw a drone within 700 feet of the plane and it had to do a you know, fly around effectively to take evasive action. And even at the back end of last year, the London Evening Standard, the sort of London newspaper, reckon that there were already more than 50,000 drones being flown around in the UK. So I think there are issues, like we've said, with data privacy and data protection. The UK data regulator, the ICO, has already got a surveillance code of practice for those drones which have cameras. They'll have to comply with that uh, code. The CAA, the, the equivalent, our equivalent of your FAA, the Civil Aviation Authority, has already in place a licensing regime for heavier drones. There are issues about radio frequency. Obviously, some of these drones appear from China. They might not have been checked to make sure they don't interfere with 911, 999 uh, zones for emergency services. I know um, I've dealt with a case previously not involving drones, but involving imported equipment that in some respects was similar that operated on military on frequencies that had been assigned to the military in the UK. And my client at that time had the disheartening uh, episode of, of uh, the military knocking on his door and asking him why he was, uh, or why his company was broadcasting on one of their frequencies. We've also got potential criminal liability. For example, a drone following somebody could be a breach of the peace or it could be a criminal offence if it's used to harass. And we've also got something called in the UK called the Air Navigation Order 2009. Uh, um, and that says, uh, again from memory, that we need to have 150 metres clear between um, places and, um, and the drone itself. And there are also rules that govern crowds. So, for example, we can't fly over a political demonstration and take pictures. We can't fly over a sports game and take pictures if the crowd's of a, uh, of, of a certain size. So I, I think you're right, first of all, that the cybersecurity threats are increasing. Second, the drones are going to be a big issue this year. 
But also, you're right, I think, that the regulators are already looking at their regulatory response to, uh, to drones particularly. And I think we are likely to see some really interesting cases on this uh, this year. And as I say, I, I wouldn't mind having a bet with you that by the time we're into the fall, we'll have had uh, the first drone shooting case, uh, if not reach the courts, then at least reach the newspapers. Well, what are you okay. Well, this is... Are you taking the bet? <laughs> I'm not going to take it out. I don't want to do any betting when it has to do with potential shooting down of anything. But I do, I do like, I do like a podcast that ends with you saying three times or four times in a row that I'm right on certain issues. So yeah. that's, that's a good thing. If, if I'm being uh, affirmed by Sir Jonathan Armstrong, I'm doing okay. Um, well, this has probably been Tech Law 20, but we had a lot to cover. So hopefully you've listened to all of it. Hopefully, as I said before, we didn't drone on too much. Uh, this has been your weekly Tech Law 10. I'm Eric Sinrod of Dwayne Morris. Uh, our website's DwayneMorris.com. You can reach me at ejsinrod at DwayneMorris.com. You can find us on the social media outlets, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, etc. cetera. Uh, I, you know, Jonathan, you might be right on that prediction. Um, let's, hope, let's just hope it doesn't happen, actually. Um, but why don't you sign off, and uh, we'll let people uh, go on with their week and hopefully catch us on our next podcast. The next one will be 147. Yeah, and uh, I'm, I'm sure we should think of a snooker-themed one for that. But um, uh, in the interest of balance, I should also say that having uh, cited with approval the work of William Adams, other uh, hip-hop rapper, singer, songwriters are available. Um, and uh, all that remains is to thank you for listening. Uh, as ever, we'll post some of this material up on our LinkedIn pages. Do join in and join the debate and suggest things for a snooker-themed 147 if you wish. All that remains is to thank you for listening and speak to you again soon. Cheers. Bye. Cheers, and my hope is that in our next podcast, Jonathan will sing us a Black Eyed Peas song. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs>